asking them to do something bigger and greater than they could do on their own. Which in some ways, my friends, isn't that what God asks of all of us? He invites us into something that is bigger and greater than what we can do on our own. That's called following Jesus. Because Jesus' shoulders are broad, his plans are audacious and beautiful, and we are nervous, and our plans are small. God has tremendous plans for each of his children. These plans will benefit many and are greater than anything we could conceive ourselves. If we follow God on the road, he will show us. We will come upon a life of blessing beyond imagination. The question is, though, are we willing to follow? Today, Pastor Daniel continues to share the journey of the Israelites, a people who are just starting to see the great plans God had for their own lives. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, The Way of Balaam. All right, let's all open up in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 22. Numbers, chapter 22. As we continue this study through the Bible, through the book of Numbers, If you're new to the Bible, Numbers is pretty easy to find because it's the fourth book you have in your Bible. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And if you're sitting here and you're like, man, I want to study all those books that came before, just go to our website. We've already gone through them. So you can find out all the different things. But we're here in Numbers chapter 22. And this is the last kind of story in this section. We've already, this is our second section or second series in the book of Numbers. We're calling this one Wilderness. And then once we get to chapter 26, 25, 26, we're going to be doing our final series here in the book of Numbers. Now, we're calling it Wilderness because as we've been saying all the way along, the children of Israel are literally wandering in the wilderness. But where they are physically is just a picture to really where they are spiritually. And if you've been traveling with us through the book of Numbers in this part, what you're finding is that the children of Israel are struggling. God has delivered them with a mighty hand from Egypt, and they're struggling to really trust God. And because of that, in some ways, they're moving in circles. They're not getting to the next step because they're struggling and they're making poor choices and our choices have ramifications. And a lot of us, you know, it's easy to read the stories of the children of Israel, especially in the book of Numbers and think to yourself, well, you know, it's just so unfortunate that it was like that for them. But if we're remotely self-reflective and we let the spirit of God reveal to us what's in our life, we find that we do the same thing, right? God has delivered us with such a great deliverance to the finished work of Jesus. But oftentimes we don't trust him. We make absolutely poor choices. God says, hey, I want you to do this thing. And we decide in our infinite wisdom that we're going to do the exact opposite. Right? I'm not the only one who does that, right? And you guys do that too, right? And we find these points where you're like, man, how did I get here? But then you look back on the things that God asked of us and the decisions that we make, and we learn. And so the children of Israel are like all of us, but God is faithful. And that's the thing that you need to remember as you're looking at all these 
different things that go on for the children of Israel is that God is still going to bring his kids into the promised land. We know it's not going to happen in the book of Numbers or in the book of Deuteronomy. It's going to happen in the book of Joshua. So God's still going to get it done, but the timeline is unique given the decisions that are being made. And for each one of us, it's such an important reminder that we got to say, God, I want to be obedient to what you ask of me, no matter if I think it's going to work or not. Isn't that an important reality to say, God, I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do, even if I think I'm doing a fool's errand. Because for the children of Israel, remember when they sent the 12 spies in to spy out the promised land? God said, look, I want you to go in, but you can send the people in. They came back. Two of the guys said, no, yeah, it's an amazing land and there's walled cities, but God is with us. We can take it. And the other 10 said, absolutely not. We are going to be like little bugs in there. They're just going to squash us, you know, like Mr. Miyagi with the chopsticks. And they didn't go in. But if they would have just taken the step of faith, they would have been in the promised land. But God was asking them to do something bigger and greater than they could do on their own, which in some ways, my friends, isn't that what God asks of all of us? He invites us into something that is bigger and greater than what we can do on our own. That's called following Jesus. Because Jesus's shoulders are broad. His plans are audacious and beautiful. And we are nervous And our plans are small. Our vision is, and our sight is small. And so in a lot of ways, this whole series has been a great reminder to us to step on out with the Lord. Because God wants to do things beyond what we would choose to do ourselves. And so now we move into this little last section in this part. And really, we're going to be introduced to a prophet named Balaam. So let's just jump right on in. Numbers chapter 22, picking up in verse 1. It says, Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many, and Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. Verse four, so Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, look, A people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I should be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed and he who you curse is cursed. So what we have here is that the children of Israel are just across the Jordan River from the city of Jericho, which is the first city that they defeat in the book of Joshua once they enter the promised land. Now, remember, at this point in the narrative, we're 39 years 
into the wilderness wandering. So they're right on the edge of the promised land. And if you were traveling with us when we went through chapter 21, we saw that all these different kings came out to battle against the children of Israel. Now, the children of Israel were not looking for battles there. They were just looking to pass through. But some people got a little gumption. They started getting their beer muscles on, so to speak. And like, we're going to go out and we're going to just go and fight these guys. And it was just a bad move because God was with them. But they weren't looking for a fight, the children of Israel, but these guys came out. And now, of course, the children of Israel's reputation is growing. And we find that as they're in the plains of Moab, that this king named Balak, we find out in verse 2, the son of Zippor, he saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and the people were afraid. Why? Because there was a lot of them. And it says, and Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. You know, when I read this, it reminded me. Now, you guys know, so given my age, I'm almost 40 now. I was really a child of the 80s. And I remember when Mike Tyson, before he totally went off the rails and got a face tattoo, I remember when he was like a young heavyweight champion boxer. And I remember seeing, I think it was like his third fight. And it was amazing because he was so young and ferocious that in a number of the subsequent fights, he just get out there and the other, his opponents, who were big dudes, were all like kind of shaking in their boots because Mike was so ferocious at that time. And sure enough, like he'd graze them and they'd fall down. You know what I mean? Like they just, they didn't really want to get hit by Mike Tyson because his reputation at that point as a boxer had preceded him. And that's exactly what's going on for the children of Israel. God is so mighty in their midst that the Moabites heard what happened to the Amorites and they're freaking out. They're like, this is not good. The children of Israel are here. They are going to wipe us out. And then remember, the children of Israel, God didn't promise them the land on this side of the Jordan. So the children of Israel weren't looking for a fight. They were just looking to pass on through. So the people are freaking out. And look at what happens in verse 4. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. Now, that might sound like a strange analogy, but you got to figure that an ox grazing in the field is probably the biggest dude around, right? And if an ox wants to eat something when he's grazing in a field, what's he going to do? Someone would be like, you know, can you imagine a frog being like, "Uh, excuse me, Mr. Ox, can you not eat me right now? Is that going to happen? No, you guys watch Animal Planet for long enough. You realize that in the food chain, the ox is going to have his way. And they're literally getting together and saying, look, we're in trouble. These people are going to come. They're the top of the food chain. They're going to do whatever they want. And they are scared, really scared. Not only the Moabites, but the Midianites. And so what we find now, and Balak, the son of Zippor, was the king of the Moabites at the time. Now he's got a plan. Because look at what goes on in verse 5. So he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor of Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him saying, look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. Now, what's interesting about this is he realizes that all of his natural resources are not going to help him in this battle. I got an idea. I'm going to call for Balaam, the son of Beor, of Pethor. And the beauty is, is this is a guy who lives 
by the river Euphrates, when it says the river, that's what normally means in that day, the river Euphrates, that was the primary river in that region. And he says, listen, I'm going to call for this prophet. And I'm going to say, look, I need the help of a power higher than I. Now, in some ways, for this king, he's got the right idea. And people all the time, they say to me, like, someone will come to know Jesus when everything's kind of falling apart. And I'll say, yeah, well, you know, everyone, people come to Jesus when everything falls apart. I'm like, well, listen, at the point when we realize that our resources can't fix the problem, it makes sense to cry out to a strength higher than us. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think we have to realize when we're out of our league. And I'm here to tell you that in your life, the things that you really want, we're always out of our league. We just have the tendency to forget that. And the need to call out to God, the need to cry out for victory, for help, that is not just when the big things happen. We need to train before the race, so to speak. And I think for some of you right now, you're in very critical situations in life. And you're, maybe you're here right now and you're like, look, I've never really come to church, but I really need a power higher than I. And I'm here to tell you, you are in the right place because you do need a power higher than you. And that power's name is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with the son, Jesus, with the Holy Spirit who wants to be active in this world and in your life, right? And it's a good thing that you're here because God wants to be a part of your life and God wants to see you through your current struggles. But if everything's kind of going all right, You need to get used to calling on God right now, too. We need to train before the race. I have a buddy. He just told me he's running a half marathon. You know, God bless him. But it's like, you think you're just going to go out there and run a half marathon? No, right? You got to train for it. You got to build up some stamina because you don't just want to go out there and try and run whatever it is, 13.1 miles or whatever. I mean, that's just nuts to do anyway. But you don't just go out there and run 13 miles. You got to work your way up to it, right? And in a lot of ways in our lives, if things are going pretty good right now, you need to call upon the Lord. You need to get used to living your life, not trusting in your own resources, but saying, God, you've given me resources and you've given me a a mind and strength and all these things. But Lord, really, you are the wisdom beyond any wisdom I may have. Lord, you are the strength beyond any strength that I may possess. God, you are the one who truly bestows gifts And I want to learn how to trust you now because when you train before the race, when the extraordinary things do happen and they will happen, we'll have enough training that we won't stumble in the midst of it. So it's interesting because Balak is trying to protect himself and his people. It's not a bad thing. And he's calling for this prophet named Balaam, you know, and he's actually got the right idea. The only problem is, and we're going to see is that God doesn't want to curse his people. And God isn't going to curse his people. So unfortunately for Balak, unless he joins the children of Israel, he's on the wrong side of the equation. But he has the right idea. And so this man named Balaam, we're going to be watching Balaam over the next number of weeks because we're going to have three chapters of this story with all these different prophecies of Balaam. Now, he's an internationally known prophet. So he was well known. Balak knew who he was calling and why. Now, there's going to be a lot of debate amongst us about was he really like, did he really fear the Lord? Was he a pagan prophet? You know what the answer is? We don't really know. So he receives revelation from the true and living God, but he wasn't submitted to God, as we're going to see. And so he's a very interesting test case of somebody who is spiritually pretty gifted, but the fruit of his life isn't really the fruit of the Spirit, 
which is kind of confusing for us, isn't it? Because you think sometimes, oh yeah, someone who's got the gift of prophecy, man, they're deep in the things of God. Maybe not always. So, but Balaam is kind of a confusing character and we'll see it as we go. But Balak's idea, he knows that whomever Balaam blesses will be blessed and whomever he curses will be cursed. Now, we've heard that before in our Bibles, haven't we? Remember when God called Abram to follow him to leave Ur of the Chaldees? He said, look, whoever blesses you will be blessed. And whoever curses you, I will curse. So it's interesting that in that culture, the blessing and cursing thing, like, it's very interesting. It seems primitive to us, right? But you realize that as you read your Bible, the idea of blessing and cursing take a pretty strong place in the way people thought about things. We often don't think, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. We learn that stuff. But words are creative. And for Balak, he's like, look, if I can get this prophet named Balaam to curse these people who are settling next to me, who I'm terrified of, we're going to be all right because we can't do it ourselves. So he's calling for help, and that help is going to come in the person of Balaam, the prophet. Now, look at what happens in verse 7. It says, so the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, lodge here tonight, and I will bring you back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, who are these men with you? And so Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, is sent to me saying, look, a people has come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, you shall not go up with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. So, in verse 7, this is now a coalition of the Moabites and the Midianites, right? They get together and they send people to Balaam with the diviner's fee. Now, listen, first thing, when it comes to the things of the spirit, if someone isn't going to share God's word with you unless you pay him, you know you got a problem. It has to be said. Like, right there, you got to say, oh, wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Because the things of God are free. Now, again, we've seen in the news, that doesn't mean that it's wrong to get beyond staff at a church. It doesn't mean that. But if someone's like, listen, unless if you don't pay me my retainer of $10,000, I won't prophesy over your congregation. And listen, it's better to keep your money and give it to the poor than to give it to that scoundrel. Like, you have to realize that. Like, if someone's only a prophet for hire, then they're not a prophet of the Most High God with the heart of God. Right? The fact that they had to show up with the right amount of money reveals to us that there's a problem there. There's a problem. Be like if someone says, well, listen, will you pray for me? Well, listen, I'll only pray for you. you give me $100. But listen, we laugh, but there's all sorts of folks on TV who are doing that kind of stuff. Straight up. 
And people are like, man, I just want to be blessed. I'm just going to send them all this stuff. And it's unfortunate. It's like people should pray for you because they love you. And God hears our prayers. And that's just sheer grace, my friends. Should have to pay for prayers. And listen, if you're sending money to somebody so they pray for you, just email us at prayer at crossroadschurch.net and we'd love to pray for you. I came into our welcome center. There was a half dozen folks in our welcome center this morning praying through every single prayer request that I get in my email whenever they come through. We have a prayer chain. It's amazing. I love that. Went into our, our welcome center. There's people there praying. Each and every one that we've got through this week, they went through each one praying for the person. Ain't nobody charged. You're not like a little, hey, you got to pay us to do that. No, we do that because we're family. And God wants us to pray for each other. God wants us to minister. If someone has the gift of prophecy, it's a gift. It's been given freely, and we use it freely for the glory of God. So we know that there's a problem here, but this was also the custom. You'd go, and you bring the prophet money, and they would go to him. And what's interesting is that Balaam, they show up. They explain to him what's going on. And Balaam, in verse 8, says, listen, stay here tonight, and I'll bring you back word as the Lord speaks to me. So he's like, look, I can't say anything. I'm going to go speak to the Lord. I'm going to find out. And sure enough, God... Now, before we go any further, one of the things that you'll find in your Bible, especially in the Old Testament, and rabbis, if you read the rabbinical writings, which I would rather you read your Bible than the rabbinical writings, but if you read your Bible a lot and you also like to read other things, the rabbinical writings can be very, very interesting because they lend some color to some things that you wouldn't normally think about. Like, you'll notice... Here, in verse 8, it says, you notice, and I will bring you back word as the Lord speaks to me. Now, in my Bible, Lord is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Now, when in your Bible, when it's all in caps, that is God's personal name. That is Yahweh, the tetragrammaton, the YWHW, the yud heh vuv However, there's a lot of names for it. It's God's personal name. It's the I am who I am who revealed himself personally to Moses in the wilderness, right? Now you notice he says, as the Lord speaks to me, but then everything after this becomes, and God said to him. Now, the word God in your Bible in Hebrew is the word Elohim, right? Which if you remember in Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so the rabbis make a really big deal out of any time the Spirit is inspired the text where there's plays on the name of God when you're having an interchange between the personal name of God, Yahweh, and the more judicial name or the God of justice name of Elohim. And I wanted to bring that out so that for those of you who like that kind of stuff, you can play theology nerd with it and and check it out. And it's really fun. But it is interesting because you're like, look, I can't do anything until the Lord, the personal God speaks to me, but everything. And then God comes and speaks to him, not the word changes. And rabbis make a really big deal out of it. Now, I don't want to make a super big deal out of it because sometimes I think that making a big deal out of it's a little strained. But it is really fascinating that there is this name change, although they're still talking about the one true and living God. It appeals to different parts of God's nature in the midst of it. So notice he says, God comes. So it goes from Yahweh is going to speak to me and then Elohim comes, so to speak. And he says to Baal, who are these men with you? Now listen, do you think that God didn't know who these guys were? Is anybody like, yeah, well, so God asks because he doesn't know who they are? No. Oftentimes when God speaks to you, God's going to lead with a question. Why? Because God wants to draw us out. Jesus is 
Today, Pastor Daniel introduced us to Balaam, a well-known prophet of his time. Balaam was asked to curse the Israelites, but he instead listened to God's voice rather than giving in to personal gain. His decision was not popular, but he remained faithful to God. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Thanks for that information, Tracy. I know listeners are going to be blessed by Pastor Daniel's new book. We'd love to put a copy of this book into your hands for all of the listeners who support Jesus Is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more. We'll send you a copy of Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives as a way to say thank you. Your generous support helps us continue what we're doing and expand. You can get your copy of Honestly Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives when you visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will share with us the next part of Balaam's story. Though God said no, Balaam will find worldly pressure from Israel's enemy, challenging his willingness to listen to God, sending him on a unique experience. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Wilderness. Until then, may God bless. Real.